Hello, and thank you for listening to the Founders Corner. This podcast invites business owners and entrepreneurs to discuss their business challenges and seek advice from our host, AJ Prasad. AJ is a serial entrepreneur and owner of two seven-figure web-based businesses, GMR Web Team and GMR Transcription, and the proud creator of the online reputation management software, Repugen. If you would like to be a guest on our show or contact AJ personally, please click the link in the episode description. Enjoy the show. Please note that we experienced a few technical difficulties in this recording. We apologize for all issues with sound that you may notice during your listening. We are working to get this resolved for future episodes, so we very much appreciate your understanding. Hello, I'm AJ Prasad. Welcome to the Founders Corner. Here with me, I have Naresh Visa, founder and CEO of Chris Media and Marketing, and COO and executive publisher of Normandy Investment Research. How are you today, Naresh? I'm doing great, Ajay. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I look forward to learning more and gaining some insight on uh, some of the business issues that I'm currently tackling. Fantastic. So uh, so tell me something a bit about your business and your entrepreneurial journey. So why don't you start, give us your quick background and then about your businesses, uh, then then we can, we can talk about your issues. I first started my I first started offering my services independently actually when I was a college student um, I was probably about 19 years old and mm-hmm. what I did was I provided uh, you can call consulting services media services to terrestrial radio stations and when I was in college I never thought I would become an entrepreneur I thought I would go the corporate route which I did I got some great experience working for Uh, Fortune 100 companies, uh, banks and funds on Wall Street. And then I went to business school. And again, I thought I would continue with the corporate path. But on the side, I always offered my services just so I could make some money and get some experience uh, on the side. Well, my side hustle um, ended up getting me a full-time job with one of my clients. I took over a project. And while I was working for that client, I learned an entirely new industry, which is the financial publishing industry. Financial, okay. financial publishing is, if, if your listeners are familiar with The Motley Fool or The Street.com, um, it's the publishing of investment research and selling that research to individuals. So helping them, with, helping them manage their money, helping them with stock picks, bonds, etc., So I went out on my own officially for good. I left the corporate world behind in 2013. So for almost three and a half years, I'm coming up on four years. uh, I've been on my own. I first started my consulting company, Krish Media and Marketing, which uh, began as a financial publishing consulting company that has since expanded to be a uh, online business solutions provider. So anything online related, Project management, web design, web development, logo design, copywriting, publishing, affiliate marketing, etc. Anything that's digitally oriented, uh, we have a team of people who can, um, you know, work on projects or uh, we have solutions for for folks. So my clients in that space are big publicly traded companies, but also little, you know, doctors, lawyers. Um, real estate entrepreneurs, etc. So we really cover everybody. Now, because of my background in financial publishing, I also started a couple of financial publishing companies since then. 
Um, some of them I've shut down within two to three months because there just wasn't a market. Some of them I've exited where I've sold my uh, stake. And then some of them I'm currently running. Like you mentioned, Normandy Investment Research. That was an acquisition I made with, with a, uh, a team. And we're in the turnaround process for that. And then another company that I started is called Moneyball Economics, which is another big data economic forecasting firm. We help individuals, again, uh, manage their money through our forecasts of publicly traded companies and their earnings releases. So that's just a little background on who I am in the financial and uh, online digital spaces and what I do. So so that that's interesting now because these are two uh, separate at the same time very involved businesses. <clears throat> so how are you managing to uh, to run both businesses? Ajay, I, I truly believe that the days of going to an office are coming to an end. Uh, you live in Southern California where traffic, I'm not sure if you work in an office or if you work from home or somewhere else, but the, the we average... We work from office. We are old-fashioned, unfortunately. Okay. So, but as you, as my, my guess is that you or your employees uh, are spending at least an hour and a half a day just commuting to and from the office. And in my case, uh, I work from home. Uh, everything that I do is digitally oriented. So if some for our meetings, we do it on Skype, which is how we're doing this interview right now. Uh, mm -hmm. We do it on Skype or we do it on, um, I, I use an app called Voxer, which is a walkie-talkie app. I prefer people to just send me messages there instead of uh, conducting meetings. We're a digital company. My uh, The people who work for me, they're located all across the world, um, India, Eastern Europe, United States, Philippines. We're very spread out. And the beauty of managing these businesses is because I hire people who already have an expertise, I don't have to worry about hiring and training. Um, I don't have to worry about providing health coverage. These are people who are ready to rock and roll. They respect their time. I respect their time. So when I give them work to do, the work gets done pretty quickly. So there is no time wasting. Uh, people have a great work-life balance, um, and we do our work. In fact, the amount of meetings we have now is minimal. Maybe once every two months, if there's something important, we'll have a conference call or a meeting. But otherwise, uh, we keep in touch through either uh, private Facebook groups or the Voxer app, like I told you, Skype, email, text message, uh, phone, etc. So that's freed up a lot of time because there's no commute for me. I work from home. I'm well rested. I'm able to sleep well at night, wake up, uh, get, you know, eight to nine hours of sleep. And when I sit down to do my work, I'm incredibly productive, incredibly, yeah. incredibly productive. Mm. Wonderful. So, so that, that's, that's good to know. So obviously all these people are <clears throat> independent contractors. So yep. they work with you on a project basis. Yep, exactly. So okay. yeah, that's definitely the the trend. Yeah, it's it's I I recommend it, and through Krish Media and marketing, uh, other companies hire me, hire my company as uh, we contract out our work. So they essentially hire us as independent contractors. So uh, it's good for them because they get the expertise and the the quickness, and um, you know they don't have to worry about 
uh, hiring someone full time and paying them uh, salary and mm-hmm. meeting payroll and healthcare and all that. So it's it's definitely the way the economy is moving towards, and I'm a huge fan of it. Um, and at the same time, you know, you hear all the time in politics these these uh, politicians talk about how they're going to create jobs. None of them really understand. Um, the digital economy and the way that business in the digital world is moving and the the act of creating full-time jobs, they have no control over it. They have no control over this because more and more companies are going to start cutting costs and hiring uh, expert-based contractors. Yeah, that's, that's, that is a, a discussion for another time. So, uh, But yeah, I, I agree with you. The the workforce has become very global uh, for almost everything. Uh, you know, I I now meet with companies where technically they have people working. Uh, they have offices in three four different countries, and they have the small offices. So they just create office based on the uh, you know the, the strength of that particular company. So they may have a programming team in in India, but the call center in Philippines and, you know, something in um, Ireland, it's kind of really interesting how even the smaller companies, I'm not talking about the full yeah. massive companies have it. The smaller companies are, are getting there. So, yeah, you know, uh, <clears throat> makes a lot of sense. So, uh, Naresh, you know, let's let's get to your issues. So, let, let us, so what, tell me what, what some of the questions you have for me. Yeah, so Ajay, uh, I'll admit that w- since I got started nearly four years ago, um, has it been bumpy? Yes, it has been bumpy. But my first year in business, it's like I gave myself a 20% raise. And uh, it was almost too easy. I was getting clients. They were paying me good amounts of money. I was working from home. I was living a great life. And then, um, you know, the bumps happened. But Things haven't been so bad. Have have I shut down businesses? Yes. Have I scrapped projects? Yes. Have I pissed off clients? Yes. But things haven't been so bad to the point where uh, I've had zero cash flow or, um, you know, uh, the uh, ideas or the, the projects or the industries have dried up. So I have to ask you because I know you've been in, in business for a very long time. There are going to be some down years coming up. I got started post-recession, for example. There are going mm-hmm. to be down years. Whether whether I want it or not, it, it's going to happen. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but what's the best way for entrepreneurs to prepare for these down years without even knowing when they're going to come? Sure. And actually, I started my business in 2004, so I did go through that recession. Um, you know, while being a very young company, so so I can I can bring some perspective for you. Uh, so first thing first, I I just I tell all the entrepreneurs that you have to have a product that is of real value to your client. Okay, so you know, so long you you have that, so that always has to be a starting point. If if you have a product or a service that is very peripheral to the uh, the company business, then of course you are. You're more uh, dependent on on these ups and downs uh, of the economy, but uh, so so there are a couple of things that comes from uh, from preparing uh, you know for down years. So first thing, obviously, I don't even need to tell you. Uh, um, I guess Bill Gates said that very well when he said that that even for a Microsoft kind of company is like 
I want to make sure that I have a one year of expenses to run the company in the bank all the time. Now, not all entrepreneurs can do that, but but they have a reserve. I always say that because down time will come and you just want to make sure that you have some um, <coughs> runway to, uh, and so that you can still take off and not crash. Now, having said that, uh, the, first, the first thing I would I would say is if you have already have customers like like in your case, you know you had it really easy for the customer. So the so you have obviously figured out how to get uh, new customers. So you first thing you want to make sure that you have honed into a, a marketing process rather than program that you know that you can use and you can get customers. You know it could be as simple as I know that. I have uh, you know, it could be as simple as I have to spend $500 to uh, <clears throat> on uh, paid advertising on Google to get a, a client. So just understand how you can get more customers. But for, so for the downtime, if you have a customer, the first thing is you have to totally focus on customer retention. Uh, I had the same problem like, like you said in the beginning. Actually, I was worst when I started. I lost most of the customers. And uh, and until uh, until I realized that okay there is something called your ideal customer. Not every I shouldn't take anyone who walked uh, through my door. Uh, and the moment I started to focus on the right customer and providing the service. So first thing is the retention. So that that kind of helps you from the downside, especially for a product like yours, which is a lot of it is a subscription based. Like you know you have a monthly fee. Uh, the second thing that you should be doing the moment you have happy clients you have to start thinking what what are the other products that you can sell to them mm. uh, and uh, and when you you know the moment you start to have that other products because you know your happy customers are most likely to buy your product so so you you have to have a growth uh, plan uh, you know around it and then then of course when the, the one thing I will tell you as about entrepreneurship is because you're so small, uh, generally speaking, uh, the downturns don't impact you as much. You know, unless you are totally tied into that business. For example, if you have an investment newsletter and people stop investing, or or this all of a sudden, which which happened in 2008, seven eight, where they just dumped stock. It's like no, no, it's, I'm never going to get into stocks again. Mm. Then, then obviously you're going to lose customer, and it, you'll have a very hard time recruiting it. Uh, but, but then you have to think about what are the other products that you can offer. Uh, if they get out of investment, that doesn't mean that they are going to take the money and put it under the mattress, right? So, what what's the next? So that that becomes your challenge uh, uh, to uh, talking about it. But generally speaking, as an entrepreneur, downturns don't impact you as much because you are very small and you are just learning to start getting, uh, you know, figuring out your marketing, uh, start getting more customers. Uh, for, for example, I never had that problem. Uh, even in the worst time, I grew over last year, but my base was so little small that growing was not, uh, you know, it was not nothing to write home about. Uh, so I would say, yes, you know, you have some reserve, you have to, you know, uh, talk to your customer, find out what else can you offer to them, have them more, so, so that way you are diversified. If, if, you are, if you have more products that your customers are buying, you are also diversifying your risk of, 
you know, a, a big drop off. So, um, one thing I want to talk about is Krish Media and Marketing, which is the uh, online business solutions firm, because that's client based, whereas my other two businesses are customer based, product oriented. Mm-hmm. So, right. on the, uh, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because my business model for Krish Media and Marketing is because we are a, a a digital firm and we don't you know we don't have offices we uh, kind of bare bones and as a result we're able to charge our clients low prices so what I tell my clients is and I still make sure you know that I'm it's worthwhile for me and that I'm making good money but I tell my clients I say if you find someone who charges lower than we do and you know who does a good job then we'll match the price and nobody's actually taken me up on that offer everyone's just gone ahead and paid the price that that we charge but because we are low cost i think if a recession or if bad times hit i think my company would actually perform might even perform better because we're offering uh these services at a lower cost and companies you know they might cut their employees or they might cut that big you know brand name company who does their ppc or seo or you know design work and instead go with us and you know at the discounted price get the same quality service that's just what i personally think i have no idea i could be completely wrong but the business model is priced so that um people at least give us a shot for one project so that um, because of our low costs and our low prices. So, so Naresh, you know, here is my perspective on that. Uh, so, you, obviously, <clears throat> that is your strategy, right? So, you, you know, the, your strategy for getting customer is either you want to be a, a, a price leader, right? Right. And then, then, or you have some unique value proposition that you sell around that the, the value proposition. Now. You know, one of the challenges that you will find being a price leader is also being considered a quality company. Uh, so, you know, that it, it's almost uh, so. So that that is the challenge that you because even if you you are a low price leader, you have to make sure that you have some unique value proposition, something that you can claim that other people cannot. Okay, <clears throat> so so that that becomes your challenge. Now, personally speaking, I. I find it very hard to uh, to support a low price uh, uh, the uh, price leader strategy, uh, uh, brand positioning simply because you know it is just race to the bottom because uh, you know you could be offering something say a web design for two thousand dollars and then all of a sudden a company in India starts to offer for five hundred dollars uh, and then the, and because people are buying based on pricing right. So they won't know the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that that is something that you have to be uh, careful about. So, I I am a big believer in in figuring out who is your ideal customer. Okay. So, if you if you know who is your ideal customer, you know for who for for the customer for whom you can create like uh, the best value. I will stick to that because those are the people who will uh, will stay with you. Generally speaking, businesses, very few businesses uh, expect to pay a tiny bit and get a lot. Okay, you know, they, the, the concept of getting your money's worth is, is still there. So, so long, again, 
so long you are creating the real value for your business, it really doesn't matter if you're charging them $10,000 and and if the value you're creating for them is say $30,000, they, you know, they are not going to, to flinch. So that uh, pricing doesn't become, so that, you know, that is just my perspective. Now, I know that many companies have focused on pricing and, uh, and, and you know, have succeeded, although I will tell you that in digital marketing arena, I have not seen many really low price leaders thrive unless you are talking about companies like web.com or, or Wix and all those uh, who, who went with that model, but they had literally millions of dollars in funding. And even then, I don't think that the, uh, you know, the final story is written, so we don't know where, where they are going to go. You know how their model is working right now. Uh, so, so that that is my my two cents. I, you know, you you if you want to be the price leader, you really want to be the price leader. So, so be ready to compete at any uh, price because you will get uh, when you say that I'm going to match the price of someone else. I don't. I mean, of course, if they put it on, uh, uh, you know, one of those. Uh, like guru.com kind of website, then you will be competing with like few hundred dollars, right, for your, for your project. So I, I mean that I personally, if you ask me, I think that that the strategy is very hard to defend in the long run. But if but if that is your strategy, make sure that your price is always the lowest in the in, in the industry if you can manage that yes you can defend that strategy. so uh, i'll say this even though and i think i touched on this i mentioned that yes we do price match and i tell my clients if if you find someone else is offering a better price we'll match it i've worked with uh, at least you know 60 70 different clients over the past uh, four or five really past six or seven years and not once has somebody actually gone out and said Hey, this guy said he'll do it for a lower price. Can you match it? Not once. So, so, um, so in that case, why do that? Well, the, the I guess it's more of a a uh, persuasive strategy. Now, of course, we will match the price if if the quality is comparable and um, you know their portfolio is comparable or whatever it is that they do is comparable. But um, yeah, we'll match the price, no issues. But it's almost like a persuasive strategy, like. Hey, you know, so, I'm I'm not trying to rip you off by charging you this, you know, two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars. I'm not trying to rip you off. Like I'm trying to give you the lowest price that that we can offer. And if you find something better, we'll go ahead and match it. And there's a reason for it that I want I, I wanted to touch on. And you can you can uh, follow up with your comments. I've been in two business related lawsuits in my life with uh, clients so far in my seven and a half years in business. And both of the issues, both of the lawsuits were a result of high prices that I was charging. And basically, we delivered everything that the clients asked. We delivered everything. The quality was top-notch. Everything was fine. But both of these companies, and again, these were not huge Fortune 100 companies. These were small businesses um, they had employees. They had five to ten employees, but they were small businesses. They, um, you know, they were saying that I ripped them off and that they want their money back. And there was their response was, you know, you, you charge us too much money, even though they agreed on the contract. They they paid, you know, the money or 
or they paid half of the money but didn't deliver the other 50%. Um, even though it was all agreed on, they still had problems. So, and So what happened, uh, you know, after the lawsuit? Who won? So, of course, these things never make it to court. Both of them, the, the first lawsuit, the client ended up paying in full, and they also paid my legal fees and everything. It, it didn't make okay. sense to me. So they actually lost money because they paid me in mm -hmm. full and paid for the expenses. The second one, um, the the client, we, it was a very, you know, it's a long story. It was really bad because I had to travel to work out of their office. And uh, what ended up happening was they tried to get, they tried to force me to cut the contract. And I told them, you know, a, a deal is a deal, a contract's a contract. We're going to continue delivering our services and we expect to be paid. And what happened about, you know, eight months later, we had lawyers involved. They went after each other. They bullied each other. And we reached a settlement, which, um, you know, I, I, it was a decent settlement, but I think I should have, you know, I think I deserved more. My, uh, that's another story. But so, 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 uh, Naresh, I think you answered your question because when you are when you are uh, charging the price, and so long there's a contract, and they know clearly how much you're charging and what you will deliver. So long you deliver that, you're fine. Uh, and uh, if you know someone wants to go through a lawsuit, it is is their job because you will always come ahead. So Thank you for listening to this episode of The Founder's Corner. Unfortunately, we lost connection with Naresh towards the end of this recording, so we had to stop this somewhat short. If you'd like to get in touch with Naresh, check out his website and information, which you can find in the episode description. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Founder's Corner.